Good morning, church, and everyone online, especially if you're in South Africa. The reading this morning is taken from Jonah 1, it's verses 1 to 4. Our church Bibles, it's page 928, and we're starting at the beginning, when Jonah flees from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the sea threatened to break up. These are words from God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Gary. Good uh, morning, everyone. Uh, uh, As uh, Neil said, my name is Adam. Uh, I'm the vicar here at St. Jude's. Uh, It's great uh, to be thinking about this book, this this, book. book in the Old Testament, which I uh, love. If you missed last week, you will have missed the fact that we are, uh, over the next term, going to be thinking about the story uh, of Jonah. And I borrowed the title, The Prodigal Prophet, and in fact, some of the shape of one of the the themes that we'll be looking at from this uh, excellent book. I think there's a copy of it you can see on the screen, in case you can't see this small version. Uh, The Prodigal Prophet by Tim Keller. But Uh, As far as I'm aware, none of us are planning to sort of sit here or stand here and and read it to you, Uh, and uh, it is our sermon series, Uh, and it would be a great accompaniment uh, to the series if you would find it helpful. Uh, It's available from all good uh, and probably all bad uh, bookshops uh, as well. I was particularly touched by the story of Jonah several years ago when I first went through uh, the Bible in a year. And it's easy for us to dismiss it, I think, as a bit of a fairy story. Neil spoke a little bit about this last week. We often get stuck on the fish or on the whale and then discount it. But actually, there is a huge richness in this book. And I think it can teach us a huge amount for our walk with the Lord today. So we've not just chosen to spend an entire term thinking about Jonah because we can think of nothing better. Uh, We've done so because of the richness. And as a consequence, we're going through it quite slowly. We've added a verse and a half uh, today to last week's reading. We will speed up a little bit uh, towards, uh, towards the end. There is a richness in this text. So I think that would be a good place for us just to stop and pause and to pray and ask that the Lord would reveal himself through it. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, we do praise you for your word. We praise you that it speaks to us in different seasons of life. We praise you for your grace, for your love for us. We praise you that you meet us wherever we are. Lord, wherever we are this morning, however we've come to you, whether we've come with busy minds and thoughts, whether there's a great deal going on outside, 
of this place. Or whether we've come to you in the relative calm, in the stillness. Lord, we ask afresh that you would meet us here. That we would know your power and your presence. That you would dwell deeply within your word. And that you would lead us to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to read uh, verse 4 to you again, the main part that we added uh, to the reading this week. Just one verse. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. So, as you may have guessed, today we are thinking about storms, the world's storms. And some people here may, this morning, be facing a storm in their own lives. Maybe it's around our health, or perhaps a work situation. Maybe our family life, maybe our finances. Maybe some of us aren't facing storms in our own lives, but are caring for or supporting someone else who is facing a particular storm at this time. And even if not today, even if today you've come in relative calm uh, and there isn't much storms going on either in your life or in the lives of those around you, I doubt that anyone here can truly say there hasn't been a point in our lives when we have had to face these storms. So what does this book of Jonah say about them, I wonder? Well, firstly, the book makes clear that this storm in Jonah's life is self-inflicted. It's because of Jonah's sin. Neil spoke last week about running from God, and the first couple of verses of Jonah could be summed up by saying, God told Jonah, get up and go over there, and so Jonah got up and went over there. Jonah went the opposite way to the way that God had for him, and that is, in essence, what sin is. God says to do one thing, we choose to do another thing. We look at our world, look at ourselves even, what we do with our time, what we do with our money or our bodies, how we treat each other. How often do we do what this says we ought to do and how often do we walk against what this says to do? Now sometimes we might think the commands of this book are hard for us to follow, are hard for us to understand, but we are called to be people of the word. We're told in Scripture not to conform to the patterns of this world, but to be different and to live differently. Now, if Jonah's sin caused this storm, how many of the storms of our own lives and how many storms of the world are caused by our sin, I wonder? Now, perhaps one or two of you have already started writing an angry letter to me. Uh, maybe you've started on your phones, uh, on an email to me, uh, thinking to yourself, oh, Adam, you can't possibly say that. Please listen to what I have said and crucially listen to what I haven't said. Because you haven't heard me say that all of our sin causes all of the storms in our lives. That it is our sin that causes all of the storms of our lives. I haven't said that deliberately. And you certainly haven't heard me say that the more that we sin, the more, sin, uh, more storms that we face 
in our lives. I haven't said that. Because the story of Jonah, like the rest of Scripture, is not just one of sin, but of grace. If we got what we deserved, we would be wiped out immediately. But we don't get what we deserve because God meets us in our sinfulness, in our brokenness, with his grace. When God meets Jonah in this storm, when he sends the big fish, that is his grace. And while sin does always have a storm attached to it, it's not always our sin. Most of the storms of this life are not as the direct consequence of a particular sin that we have been party to, but are the unavoidable consequences of living in a fallen world. The sailors in the story are as affected by this storm as Jonah is, and yet they have done nothing to warrant it. If you're supporting someone else in their storms at the moment, you will know how, effect, how much that can affect us. But the reality is that the word says that this storm is self-inflicted. But it also says something else striking about the storm. And for this, um, I need my prop. Does anybody know what this is? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a difficult question. It is an elephant. It is the elephant in the room. I oh, thank you. I thank you. It is actually the elephant that lives in our lounge, in our house, as the elephant in the room. The thing we don't uh, talk about, the thing we don't talk about in this story sometimes, because you see, God sends this storm. Very clear in verse 4 of our reading. Let me read it again. The Lord sent a great storm, sea on, wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose around the ship threatening to break it up. God sends a storm. God sends a killer storm in order to save a life. God intervenes. Okay, Adam, how are we going to deal uh, with this? Neil, do you want to? No, no, okay, great, sure, fine. Uh, how does God intervene? Because, you see, the implications for us of this are quite scary, right? If God sends this storm, does God still intervene like this? In our lives, I wonder. Some theologians have suggested that God knew all along that Jonah would run away from the call that he placed on him. And that God needed him, in fact, to do so, so that he could send the storm and the fish. Because the story of Jonah running away, uh, sorry, the story of Jonah running away wasn't a surprise to God. Because Jonah had been tasked with preaching the gospel, this message of sin and grace to the people of Nineveh. But yet he doesn't understand it yet for himself. He needs to understand sin and grace for himself to be able to teach this message to the people of Nineveh. Tim Keller puts it a bit like this. Until you understand that you are not competent to run your own life, you are not competent to run your own life. Until you understand you are not competent to run your own life, you are not competent to run your own life. It's a bit stark, isn't it? It's a bit harsh. You might prefer uh, my version of it. Until you realize that everything you do, you do in his grace alone, you need to be reminded that everything you do, you do in his grace alone. Everything you do, you do in his grace alone 
alone. There are all sorts of ways in which I still uh, needed to need to be reminded that I operate in uh, God's grace. Fortunately, most of the time, God is more gentle with me in reminding me and doesn't send the first storms. But I think the most, the starkest intervention I've experienced in my life happened about three and a half years ago when our daughter Ellie was born. Uh, I've spoken here in the past, I'm very open about the fact that over my course of my life I struggled a little bit with control and wanting to keep things uh, in my own uh, control. And many of the areas of my life are now submitted to God uh, in that, but I'm not perfect and it's still an area that's being redeemed. And when it came to my relationship uh, with Jess, my role as a husband, uh, provider, perhaps even protector, Before Ellie was born, there was still a great deal that needed to be redeemed. Now, I should say before I tell you any more, Jess has given me full permission to share uh, this uh, story with you, so don't uh, worry, Uh, because Ellie's birth was not in any way a simple one. Jess lost a lot of blood uh, during the process of giving birth to Ellie. Now, I'm not normally someone that's squeamish. I have, in fact, assisted in operating theatres before now. And yet, not only did I manage to pass out, I also hit my head quite badly uh, on the way down. And before you think of me as something of a bit of a wimp, and maybe, maybe I am one, I was properly unwell. Twelve hours later, I was in an ambulance myself being taken back uh, to hospital as a result of that. Jess and I spent our seventh wedding anniversary the day after Ellie was born in different parts of Warwick Hospital being treated uh, for very uh, different ill health. But initially, after the birth, I tried as hard as I could to battle through, continuing to be by Jess's side, trying to help her. And yet I was really not well at all. Now, I'm a big lover of the NHS. Both my parents at various times worked for the NHS. Uh, Jess worked for the NHS. You won't get a bigger fan of the NHS uh, than me. But on this occasion, they were let down by poor staffing levels. It was decided uh, at a later assessment that Jess didn't get the care that she needed over the birth of Ellie. And at that point, she really needed someone to be strong and to be an advocate, someone to speak for her. And yet, I couldn't help her. I cannot tell you how hard it was for someone with, at that point, 34 years of controlling as much as I could, keeping things in myself, how hard it was for me to phone Jessie's mum and to ask her to come and to help. Adam, the big man, the one whom Jess could rely, was suddenly not her knight in shining armour, but a useless heap on the floor, literally, at one point. This was, for us, a horrific storm in which God met us in his grace. The sin of my need to control our life, our family situation, was broken in that moment, in that time, by God meeting us in it. I needed to understand that I was not fully competent to run my own life. God needed to show me that. Now, did God send that storm into our lives? I have no idea. Did God use that storm in our lives without question? And God sometimes uses the storms of this life to teach us something. And he does this throughout scripture. Think of Abraham. Abraham going wandering with unfulfilled promises for years and years 
preparing him to be the father of all the faithful on the earth. Think of Joseph, his trials, his slavery turned what was, frankly, quite an arrogant and deeply spoiled teenager into the man of God that we see in the Old Testament. The reality is we don't know why God chooses to use a storm to bring Jonah back to him. And most of the time, we don't know why we face the storms that we face. Those of you who have been, uh, been to the Living Free teaching that we do here at St. Jude's will know that the final session I talk about the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And at that session, I go through all the reasons why we don't necessarily see God working as we might expect him to work. We talk about the wrong motives that we might have for the things that we ask. We talk about sin and rebellion, a bit like we thought about today. We talk about the lack of faith that sometimes we might have, or about timing, or about the neglect of the physical, our health and our well-being. But the last thing I talk about is this massive area called the unknown. I've been ordained for uh, nearly six years. I've been in church ministry for over 10 years. And I've had so many conversations with people facing storms in various parts of their lives. And as far as I can tell, the vast majority of these storms fit into that final category. We don't know why we're facing the storms. They don't appear to be caused by sin or wrong motives. They don't appear to be caused by anything that we might have done. You'll know because, again, I've shared here before that Jess and I suffered a miscarriage before we had Jacob, probably the biggest storm we faced in our marriage. And I can't tell you why we had to face that storm. And yet, we saw God's grace in the midst of it. We saw God working immediately in the response of our friends and our neighbours. We've seen God working countless times in it and through it since in our ability to support others going through very similar things. Many of us, when we face these storms, spend so much of our time focusing on why. Why is this storm in our life at the moment? We perhaps cry out to God for answers. But the reality is, whether this storm is a consequence of our own sin, as it is for Jonah, whether this storm is something that we're facing because uh, directly or indirectly we live in a sinful world, there are others around us that sin. Whether God has sent a storm in order to teach us something. Whether the evil one has caused the storm to tempt us to something or to disrupt the work of God. Whether, frankly, we have no idea whatsoever why we're facing the storm. The story of this storm isn't really about the storm at all. It's about seeing and finding God in the midst of it. To know God's grace in the midst of it. That's the lesson for us uh, today. I had a conversation with someone just before the service began who's facing a number of storms in their own life. And as they spoke, they were able to recognize God's grace within those difficult storms that they face. Now for Jonah, he couldn't see deep within the terror of this storm, God's mercy at work. And this we really shouldn't blame him uh, for. How could he know what God had got planned? How could he know what was next? But we live on the other side of the cross. We know that God can and does save through weakness, through suffering, suffering and through apparent defeat. Those who watched Jesus die on that cross saw nothing but loss and tragedy. 
Yet at the heart of that darkness, God's mercy was powerfully at work, bringing about pardon and forgiveness for us all. Whatever the storms we face, whatever the cause, whether we see it immediately or never see it this side of glory, we can be assured, we can know that God's grace is at work amidst it all. I wonder if you would stand with me, perhaps as the band return, and I'll pray for us. Lord Jesus, we recognize that when we face these storms in our own lives, we often find ourselves searching for answers. Whether we've caused the storm ourselves or others have caused them. Whether we think you're trying to teach us something or whether the evil one is trying to move us away from you. We recognize, Lord Jesus, that sometimes we don't ever get an answer that seems to fit. Often, we don't ever get an answer that seems to fit. And yet, amidst it all, you are at work. Lord, we praise you for this story of Jonah. We praise you that it is one of sin and grace. That in the midst of him running away from you, you met him and brought him back. Lord, for the ways that we run away from you, the ways we try to live life on our own terms, the ways we ignore or forget what it says in your book. We ask, Lord, that you would meet us in that brokenness with your grace. We thank you that you save through weakness, through apparent defeat. And we thank you for your cross. We thank you for your powerful mercy at work on that cross. Lord, in the storms that come, would you help us not to focus on them? Not to be overwhelmed by them? But to look for you and to know that you are working. Call us, Lord Jesus, deeper into your presence. we would know your power. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray.